And we are live. Thank you for joining us today for our online worship experience. I'm Pastor Anthony. It is an honor to have you today. And so I hope that you'll have your Bible. You can turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, or you can go to your YouVersion Bible app on your smartphone. If you'll go to the menu, type in events, all of today's scriptures and notes are going to be right there for you. You can save your own notes in there. You can share those notes with friends. It's a great tool. I hope you, that you'll take advantage of that. Um, as we dive in today, why don't you text a friend and ask them to watch with you today um, so that we can grow together again, which is our topic today. Literally, we are talking about what it means to be together again. I wish that you could be with us in person today. We're actually having Sunday Fun Day uh, where we're celebrating a lot of togetherness today in person. But we want to celebrate with you because we're glad to have you together with us today, even if it is in an online way. So we're so glad that we can provide this opportunity for you. But we hope that you'll come and join us together again very, very, very soon. Now, if you know much about me, you can't tell by the color of my shirt today, but I'm a big Wolfpack fan, and I am so happy that college football is happening again. And just a few days ago, I got to go and watch um, the first football game of our season, and it was so cool to win and start strong. But there was something that was happening in that game that got me really pumped and reminded me why I like college sports so much, even more than professional sports. And it's the way that the players interact together. I watched this one athlete pick off an interception and he went crazy. I mean, he was so happy that he had um, gotten this interception. I mean, he had, he's worked so hard. I mean, he's worked his whole life to be in this spot where he could be in this stadium filled with all of these people cheering for him as he plays this game that he loves. And he was very successful in that moment and he goes crazy. But here's what I want you to see what happens. Not only does he go crazy, everybody goes crazy. His teammates lost their minds. I don't think they could have been any happier if they have been the one that actually caught the ball in that moment. I mean, they were hitting him on the head. They were chest bumping him. His coaches were going crazy. They ran over to the fans together and they were cheering on their teammate. The crowd was going crazy. And I was filled with such joy watching everyone celebrate that one accomplishment of that one guy. I was reminded of the phrase that we use in Wolfpack Nation, the strength of the wolf is the pack. And the strength of the pack is the wolf. I love that. You got to get into that. Even if you're a Tar Heel fan or you're a Pirate fan or a Blue Devil fan, come on, that's cool, right? The strength of the wolf is the pack. And the strength of the pack is the wolf. Say it with me. I know you're not going to say it with me if you're not a pack fan, but that just fires us up. And it's true. The strength of the wolf is the pack. It's the family. It's the group around that one wolf. And the strength of the pack is that wolf. What are we saying? There's power in the word together. I mean, we are better together. I love what Psalm 34 and 3 says. It says, come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let's exalt his name. That is not where it ends. That is not the point of the verse. 
Now I'm going to read it the way it's supposed to be read. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness and let's exalt his name together, corporately, as a body, as a family. Let's exalt his name. You know, if you come to North Park Church, we do something unique. We actually have two fellowship times in our service. When someone uh, comes up to greet everyone at the beginning of service, we do something called Take Two. And we spend two minutes where you just get to connect with the people around you. But then when I come on stage and I do our sermon, uh, I remind that we are the home of the 17 high fives. And somehow a long time ago, um, we started giving each other 17 high fives at the beginning of every message. And, and people may wonder, why do we do that? Why do we take that time every single week? And we do that because I want you to be able to look somebody in the eye. And I want you to make them smile. I want you to be reminded that you are not alone. You are not isolated, but you are surrounded by people who love you and care about you. And you may be sitting there going, you do that 17 high fives in the middle of a pandemic. Hey, if you're a high fiver, high five. If not, keep your hands in your pocket and smile. That's cool too. The important thing is that you make contact with somebody, even if it's eye contact. I've never given someone a high five. They didn't, didn't smile back. Something about it, that focus, that moment where I can let you know that you're the most important person in the world right now. And, and somehow that point of action, that point of interaction reminds us that we are, there's the word, we are together. It's a part of our fundamental core value. Life change happens in the context of meaningful relationships. Now let's look at Hebrews chapter 10. Paul writes this in verses 24 through 25, and it's very powerful. He says, let us think of ways to motivate one another. I mean, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good action step. Let's do that. Let's think of ways that we can motivate one another to acts of love and good works. How would we do that? Well, we could tip really good when we're in a restaurant whether someone deserves it or not, because tipping says more about you than it does the service. Just a little soapbox there for me. Um, I, we can send people um, cards. We can send handwritten cards. We could send a text. Um, I figured out this week how to send a Starbucks and a, a Dunkin' Donuts gift card by text. That was a cool thing, just to text somebody and say, hey, go get a cup of coffee and know that I love you and I am cheering you on. Just small ways, just random acts of kindness, just to let people know, pay for the car behind you in a drive through line, swipe your card when somebody's getting their groceries, you don't have to know who they are. Just small ways just because you love them and you want to demonstrate that they matter to God and they matter to you. Let's think, let's be creative, let's figure out how we can motivate one another to acts of love and good works. The world is so filled with cynicism and doubt and fear and, and, and horrible stories, if I'm, if I'm honest, just bad news everywhere. Let's be people who made, motivate others to acts of love and good works. Let's be people who are creative and we set the example. So let's spread that positivity. Let's spread Jesus's love. That's positive in such a way that we create some good stories. We create some good news and some good things happening in our city. Let's be light in the middle of darkness. 
But Paul goes on. Let's think of good ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And then he says in verse 25, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another, especially now as the day of his return is drawing near. Now let's talk about that because I think a lot of times um, we use that verse of scripture as a way to almost sometimes guilt people to church, right? We gotta, we can't neglect being together. Well, I recognize that can also happen in an online setting. It can actually happen um, in a digital way. You're watching this right now. Maybe you're watching this with a group of people and you are staying connected with our church family. And I believe that you can be online. I believe you can be plugged into a church family. And I believe that you can be growing in community online in a virtual way. We've seen that a lot during this pandemic. However, if you were just watching this alone, however, if you were just receiving the information, but you're not plugging into the church family. You're not being engaged in a life group. You're not growing with people. You're just getting this information and trying to follow Jesus alone in isolation. I do not believe that that's what Jesus wants for your life. I do believe that that's when this verse kicks in and says, hold on a second. You don't have to do this alone. Don't neglect being with people. Don't neglect meeting together. Even if it's in a virtual way, even if that's in a Zoom session, even if that's meeting in a restaurant and and opening God's word together with some friends. Like, let's be together as the body of Christ. And I realize in the world that we live in today, that's going to look different than maybe it has in the past. But the important thing is, is that you are walking in community and in relationship with people. Do not neglect being together as some people do, as scripture says, but encourage one another, especially now as we see the day of his return is drawing near. What is that saying? Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back to rapture his church and that day is getting closer and closer. And so Paul says, as that day is getting closer and closer, we need to be more intentional about this life change that happens in the context of meaningful relationships. I remember years ago when I coached Pee Wee football, Micah was on this football team. It was called the Wolfpack. And we had such a good little football team. And there was this kid on the team, um, and, and, and his name was Ja'Kai. And Ja'Kai was this great little athlete, but he played defense. And as a defensive player, you don't always get your hands on the ball. And when you do, it's a pretty big deal. And so Ja'Kai sees a fumble happening. And before I know it, Ja'Kai picks that ball up. And when he looks up, the only thing he sees is the end zone. And there is nothing between him and the end zone. And so Ja'Kai takes off running for everything he is worth. He is going to the house, baby. And the crowd is going crazy. And they're screaming for Ja'Kai, but not in the way that I described the NC State football game to that, that I went to just a few days ago. It's very different. Because instead of saying, go, 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 everyone was yelling, no, no, no. Like everybody was just screaming for Ja'Kai to stop. Now, why do you think we would be screaming for him to stop in that moment? He was running the wrong way. 
When he looked up, he got disoriented and the only end zone he saw was the wrong one. And so instead of running to our end zone, he was running to their end zone. And that would have been really bad, devastating, and pretty embarrassing for Ja'Kai. And he was just running. He couldn't hear nobody. And I guess he thought our no's were goes because he was going. Well, thankfully, um, there was one kid on our team who saw what was happening, recognized what was happening, and refused to give up on Ja'Kai. His name was Carter. And Carter sprinted the length of the field, caught that kid, got his attention, grabbed him by the jersey, didn't have to tackle him, thankfully, and got him spun around and helped communicate to him he was going the wrong way. And so Ja'Kai turned around and started running for the right end zone. Now, I wish I could tell you that he made it all the way to that end zone and he scored this touchdown and we all go crazy. That did not happen. He got tackled pretty quickly. But thankfully, he didn't score points for the other team. In that moment, Carter was a friend who refused to give up on a teammate. See, when we're together, when we're walking this journey together, and we are, when we're in the context of a meaningful relationship, life change happens because there are those people around us who refuse to give up on us. And when we're running in the wrong direction or we get off track, they lovingly come alongside of us to get our attention, hold us accountable, and help us to get back on track. We need those people. And so I would encourage you, Choose the right team in your life. Choose the right team. Relationships are so vitally important. In 1 Samuel chapter 14, there's a great story about Jonathan, who is King Saul's son. Now, the Israelites, God's chosen people, were at war with the Philistines. We talked about that last Sunday as well. And they came across a small group of Philistines soldiers. Okay, I want you to look at this encounter. This is my translation. This is Jonathan, the king's son, and his armor bearer. And he looks down at this, this, over this ravine. He sees these Philistines. And this is what he says to his armor bearer. He says, hey, why don't we go down there and get them? And if we do, perhaps the Lord will be with us. Perhaps. Not like, hey, armor bearer dude, I was praying and I heard from God that if we go down there, he'd give us the victory. That is not even what happened. Jonathan looks down, see these Philistines and goes, hey dude, I think if we were to go down there right now, we could take all of them. And if we do that, perhaps God would be with us. If you and I are in the armor bearer position, I'm going to let you know I'm looking more than a perhaps. I need a little bit more definite than perhaps. But I want you to recognize the response of that armor bearer. He said, my words, my translation, do whatever you think is best. I am completely with you whatever you decide. One translation puts it this way. Do all you have in mind. I'm with you heart and soul. Do all you have in mind. I'm with you heart and soul. What was he saying? He's like, dude, I am with you. There's a military term that I think fits well here, and I love it. He looks at Jonathan and goes, dude, I've got your six. I got your six. I'm going to be right here with you. You do all you have in mind. You do what you think's best, and I am completely with you. I am with you heart and soul. Dude, I've got your six. I've got your back. Man, I love that. 
I think about the story of Moses. Moses is this great leader in Israel and, and they're in battle one particular day. And the Bible tells us that as long as Moses had his hands raised in worship, that the Israelites were winning this battle. But the moment that Moses would let his arms fall down because he's human and his arms grew tired, as soon as his arms would fall down by his side, the Israelites would begin to be pushed back and be defeated. So he'd get his arms up again really fast. And sure enough, they'd push forward and they, 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 it was exactly what they needed. God's hand was at work in their life, but God's, God's involvement in this in this. Um, this experience was directly tied to Moses' worship. And that's a very important thing. Some of us need to get in our spirit. We want to see God move. God's movement is tied to our worship. And so finally, there were some people around Moses that were watching what was happening. And they were like, all right, guys, we got to get his arms up and they got to stay up. And so instead of just sitting back and letting Moses do this on his own, there were two dudes named Aaron and Hur. Her, H-U-R, horrible name, right? What's your name, Her? Um, Aaron and Her got alongside of Moses, one under each arm, and they physically held Moses' hand up. You know what they were saying? Do what you think is best. I'm completely with you. Do all you have in mind. I'm with you heart and soul. Moses, we got your six. We got your back. We're going to be right here with you the whole time. And that day, God gave them an incredible victory on that battlefield. But it wasn't just because of Moses who kept his arms up, but it was because he had surrounded himself with the right people. And they helped him receive victory that day. And as a result of that, everybody won. We use these these terms at North Park. Um, I wish years ago I I could even remember where I I, I got these things from, but they've kind of stuck in the culture of North Park, and I love it. I'm so glad it has. Uh, I just wish I knew where I got it from. But so many of us think in terms of witness. I am a witness. I am a witness to what's happening in the world today. If you come up on a wreck and you see it happen, what do you do? You give an eyewitness account. You can tell somebody what's happened in an experience. And so to be a witness is to sit back and watch the wreck happen and basically say, really stinks to be in your situation. I see it. I know what it's about because I saw it. Just really stinks to be in your situation. That is the extent of what it means to be a witness. And we have a lot of witnesses in our life. A lot of people who are around us just kind of watching it unfold and watching it happen. But at North Park, we have just like, like completely given ourselves over to this idea that we don't want to just be a witness. We want to be a witness. A witness. We want to walk the journey with people. We want to walk the journey with you. I'm so grateful that I have some witnesses in my life, and I am so grateful. I have a lot of witnesses in my life as well. People who are walking this journey with us, who don't just sit back and see it unfold, but they say, you know what? This really stinks, but I'm with you. They're not saying, hey, it stinks to be in your situation. They're saying it stinks to be in your situation, but I'm going to smell it with you because I'm going to be right here the whole time holding up your arms. Do all you have in mind. I'm with you heart and soul. I've got your six. I've got your back. Do what you think is best because I'm going to be right here with you the entire time. I am a witness. 
A few years ago, my son, as he's playing sports, um, concussions became a really big deal in high school football and, and really in high school sports and all sports, really. And so there is a concussion protocol that these athletes have to follow. And there's a form that they have to fill out at the beginning of every season, at least my son did at the school that he attended. And, and this is what the concussion protocol states. He had to sign this with a witness that he would do this. If I think a teammate has a concussion, I should tell my coach, coaches, parents, or medical professionals. That's the statement. If I think a teammate, not even if I think I have one, if I think a teammate has a concussion, I should tell my coach, coaches, parents, or medical professionals. And you had to sign that covenant before you were allowed to play this sport. Now think about that. So not only are you responsible for your own physical well-being, but now you are taking the, the position of, I am going to be responsible for my teammates and make sure that if I even sense that someone has a concussion, that I'm going to speak up. I'm not going to sit on that information. I'm not going to be a witness. I'm going to be a witness. I'm going to be with them in that situation. And I'm going to speak up and I'm going to talk to coaches. I'm going to talk to a parent. I'm going to talk to a medical professional. I will let someone know. And when I saw that, here's what I thought. If we are that committed to protecting someone's head, then why should we not be that committed to protecting someone's heart? Why should we not be that committed to care about someone else's spiritual well-being? Why should we not be that concerned about their family and, and the things that are happening in their home and their marriage and in their life? Let's not just be witnesses. Let's be witnesses. We would care about them as if it were us walking through that ourselves. I mean, that's that whole deal, right? They asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your mind, soul, and strength. But love your neighbor as yourself. Like, let's walk this journey with people. Be a witness. Why? Because we wear the shirts every single week. Because teamwork makes the dream work. If we want to see this dream fulfilled in our life, it's going to take a team to see it happen. We did a series a while back this summer, at the beginning of the summer, and um, it was called Everyday Disciple. And we defined a disciple this way. One who follows Jesus, lives like Jesus, and helps others do the same. In other words, we're gonna, as a disciple, we're gonna follow Jesus, but we're not gonna do it alone. We're gonna say yes to Jesus, but we're not gonna do it in isolation. We're going to say yes to Jesus, but we're going to choose to follow him in community. We're going to do it together. And here's what I want you to see. And, and, and I was sent some great information by a member of our team that, that I just wanted to share with you as, as we conclude today. And this is what it says. The Bible is more communal than individual. Jesus teaches us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, right? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Jesus didn't say, when you pray, pray this way, my Father. But instead, he said, pray our Father. Paul actually uses the phrase, our Lord, 53 times, and my Lord, only one time. 
The term or phrase that we use a lot, Jesus is my personal Savior, is actually not even found in Scripture. We are the people of God. We belong to each other. He concludes by saying this, This is not to eliminate the very real individual and intimate relationship that we have personally with Jesus. Don't get me wrong. But this is saying that there needs to be much corrective done to the individualism that keeps us from recognizing how connected we are to each other. Author Rich Velotis. We need to recognize how connected we are to one another. We need each other. I can't tell you how many times that I've heard people say, and, and not just like in the height of this global pandemic, but, but even continued even now, we need each other. I am missing my church family. I am missing being able to be with people. I've heard people say recently, my my life with Jesus is suffering because I'm not with somebody. So what are we saying? Life change happens in the context of meaningful relationships. And I dare say that if you were trying to do this all on your own, in isolation, by yourself, I would be willing to bet there is this huge void missing in your life and you maybe you don't even realize what it is or want to admit what it is. And I believe that huge, huge void, it's relationships. It's the body of Christ. It's the people, the team. You need somebody around you. You need the right people around you. You need the right team around you that can speak life into you. Blaine Bartell writes this, One of the reasons that God calls us into a tight-knit group of friends is because most of us are not self-aware enough to see the areas that need attention in our life. We tend to accentuate all of the good we see in ourselves and avoid the unbecoming traits, attitudes. Vulnerable, transparent, restorative community is not an option if we're going to experience real resurrection. Man, I love that. I pray that you would lean in to relationship, that you would lean in to this personal relationship with Jesus as your Savior, and that we would recognize we need the body of Christ. We need a family to do that with. I was at a conference years ago. I don't remember what was said at the conference, but I remember the prayer that was prayed to open up that conference. And this is what it said. God, give us something that works and a brother or sister to do it with. I'll never forget that. Give us a system that works. Give us a brother or sister to do it with. What we're saying is we need some life change. Give us a brother or sister to do that with. Life change happens in meaningful relationships. Teamwork makes the dream work. And so we are waiting for you to plug in. We are so thankful that we are together again. Let's pray. Father, thank you for togetherness. Thank you that we are better together. Lord, there are so many scriptures that I could have used today. Lord, the Bible tells us that that a a strand of, 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 of two or three is not easily broken. If we're by ourselves, we get pulled, we get tired, we get tense, and we get brittle, and we break. But Lord, when we are together, we're a strand, a cord of two or three, not easily broken. There's power when we come together. There's strength when we do so. 
And so I pray if there's someone today that feels broken, they feel like they are just at their wit's end, today they'd reach out. God, that they would plug in to a community. They would plug into a place to grow with people. And Lord, that looks a lot of different ways today. God, I'm thankful we can do that in a virtual way. If it's in a life group that's done online or on Zoom or another platform, if that's being able to be connected in a, in a, in a, in a, in a life group that meets together, if it's sitting down in, in someone's home or in the backyard somewhere, or sitting at a restaurant and having a Bible study together. Lord, we have so many different ways that people can plug in. Lord, serving with teams at our church and, and serving in this community with other groups. God, there are so many ways that we can do life together. And I pray that we would be creative, that we would think about ways that we can do life together. And I pray that as we reach out, Lord, that we would truly love you as ourself. God, that we would love you with all of our heart and we would love our neighbor as ourself. And we're going to be so quick to give you praise, honor, and glory for what you're doing in our life. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And amen. I love you guys. I'm so thankful that you chose to join us today. Thanks for inviting us into your home. We would love to help you get plugged in to North Park Church. If you're new or newish to this North Park family, why don't you hit our website, northparkredu.com, and see all of the different ways that you can be involved. We want you to know that you are loved and we are cheering you on.